book review. <laughs> Fucking A. I thought that was going to be a lot cooler than it ended up being. Anyways, 54321, what is happening, guys? And welcome back to the On My Dime On Your Time podcast. We have another solo episode this week. It's going to be the last one, hopefully for a little while, because I'm sure you guys are bored of me being alone talking shit because I really don't know what I'm talking about half the time. Anyways, this is a book review because reading is something I picked up since March, I believe. I read a few books and every time I don't have a person to interview for the week, I'm going to do a book review. It'll give me motivation to actually learn and digest the things that I'm reading and it'll hopefully provide you guys some value as well besides me just talking shit and um yeah besides me talking shit so the book we are going to discuss today is the war of art break through your blocks and win your inner creative battles by stephen pressfield it's one of those other like motivational books but i actually found a lot of value in this one the main premise of the book is that everything that people want to do be it writing a book do making a painting starting a business starting a podcast anything that you want to do that you deem in your mind worthwhile there is a lot of i don't want to use the word that he uses but there's a lot of resistance to start that in your own head because of be it fear or whatever it is and the and the author Stephen Pressfield he calls that resistance Resistance is, it's, I'm, I'm flipping through the book here, so if I'm stuttering, that's why. Resistance is, like, I, he, he, there's no real definition of it in this book, so for the, sakes, for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to call it the shit in your mind that stops you from doing the shit in front of you. But the thing with it is, it only happens with things that are difficult, right? Like, there's not going to be resistance to sitting down and watching Netflix or going out with friends or if you're like me there's no going to be no resistance to spending money on clothes or something like that or plants as well I'd have a bit of an issue with that anyways anyways and start reading or if you want to start your project or your dissertation or a paper or a business or you want to get like Instagram going or start a YouTube channel that's where resistance is going to be and it works in a high order going down. So if you have, let's say like a hypothetical list of things you need to do, let's say like on top of your list is your dissertation that's due in a month. In the middle of the list is, let's say cleaning the house, like the entire house. And at the, at the third one is groceries. And at the fourth one is reading, let's say, like starting to read. And that's, that, that list is going to be in descending order. So the dissertation is going to be the most difficult and the starting to read is going to be, well, the, the least difficult for this person. I wish I was them. But anyways, so resistance is going to work like down that list. So doing the dissertation is going to be the most difficult thing. You're going to experience the most resistance with that. So you're going to procrastinate doing your dissertation to maybe clean the house or I forgot what the third one was or to read. And then if you're done cleaning the house and you don't really feel like doing that, you might start reading or do the third one, whatever it was. I forgot what it was. Anyways, 
it works in a high order going down. The easiest way that it manifests itself is with procrastination, right? We all, we've all experienced procrastination. I'm going to flip through the book and I'm going to read a passage for you about what Stephen says about procrastination. Procrastination is the most common manifestation of resistance because it's the easiest to rationalize. We don't tell ourselves, I'm never going to write my symphony. Instead, we say, I'm going, to write my, I'm going to write my symphony. I'm just going to start tomorrow. And the reason that is a bad place to root your mind into on the thing that you're going to start tomorrow is because we all, it's something that like my dad has taught me like throughout my life, like tomorrow never comes because as soon as it's tomorrow, it's today again. So, and then when it's today, you're like, I'm going to do it tomorrow. But the reason that resistance does this, it's because it's too soul deadening to be like, I'm never going to start my business because I'm not capable with it. I'm not capable of it. Or I'm not going to start my YouTube channel because I, my life is not interesting enough, or I'm not going to start reading because it's hard. Right? It's too soul deadening and you're going to reach a point where you're going to realize how like of a pathetic creature you are in a sense, right? If you do say that. So you don't say that because it's easier to say you can, you're going to do it, but you're going to do it tomorrow. The stages of resistance are, initial. the initial stage of resistance is, it's unhappiness. So you feel like hell, there's a low grade misery that pervades everything. This is something that I ha I actually felt for about a year, and I don't really know what it was. It was just I don't know if it was school because or I had no real purpose because like so basically I switched my major, and that might have been why that misery feeling has kind of subsided a little bit. But maybe it's because I have this podcast and I have a little bit more value to provide to the world. Maybe I don't know. The second stage of resistance is vices. So you're going to reach a point where you're going to be so overwhelmed with resistance that you're just going to go back to whatever you don't like to do. And I'm not throwing shade at anybody. Whatever, like whatever you do is your choice. I'm not throwing shade, but you might start drinking or smoking or even just like watching TV or like, I don't know, like it's no nut November. So I think you know where I'm going to go with that. You might start doing that and then it's going to become like it's going to become even harder to get yourself out of. The third stage is where it becomes clinical. And again, I'm not saying that I have everything figured out. I'm not saying that resistance is what causes depression. I'm saying it might be a factor to why people become why there are so many people who are depressed these days because I don't want to, I need to figure out how to word this without coming across as more of a cunt than I already come across. Resistance becomes clinical, so maybe, maybe it does somehow contribute, maybe having those thoughts about how you're going to start a different, like start your project a different day does affect your brain chemistry to the point where it does become depression or aggression or another form of dysfunction in your life. This is a chapter that I, this the, the book is kind of set out into paragraphs, but they're like individually um, titled. 
This is a paragraph that I really liked. It's called Resistance and Criticism. If you find yourself criticizing other people, you're probably doing it out of resistance. When we see others beginning to live their authentic lives, it drives us crazy if we have not lived out our own. Individuals who are realized in their own lives almost never criticize others. If they speak at all, it is to offer encouragement. Watch yourself. Of all the manifestations of resistance, most only harm ourselves. Criticism and cruelty harm others as well. And honestly, like when I read that, that was more of a reason to become more conscious of the resistance that there is in my life so I don't hurt others as well because I can handle like because like every because like you can handle a lot like individually as a person but like I think it's a lot harder to handle the realization that you've hurt somebody else self-doubt and resistance or resistance and self-doubt Self-doubt can be an ally. This is because it serves as an indicator of aspiration. It reflects love, love of something we dream of doing and desire, the desire to do it. If you find yourself asking yourself and your friends, am I really a writer? Am I really an artist? Chances are you are. The counterfeit innovator is highly self-confident. A real one is scared to death. This kind of speaks on imposter syndrome as well. So if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, it's basically that you've reached a point in your field where you don't feel like you deserve the you don't feel like you deserve like to be at the spot where you're at so let's say i'll use myself as as an example with the podcast i've kind of this is like kind of a pathetic example because i'm on episode 12 and i'm talking about how i've experienced resistance but anyways i've experienced resistance in the sense that when I email someone to come onto the show, they actually email me back and I'm like, okay, cool. I don't know how I convinced this person to come onto my shitty show because I this is like episode 10 and I have nothing to show for it besides an email and they agree to come on and we have a beautiful conversation. So I have a little bit of, res- I have a little bit of imposter syndrome in that sense. I'm going to try and not edit this podcast at all as well. So it's going to be one take. So the way to fight resistance is to it's to treat yourself as if you're a professional already. So Stephen Pressfield gave a bunch of different qualities that define you as a professional. So I'm going to read them out as well. He says we show up every day. We might not it might we might do it wow. We show up every day. We might do it only because we have to to keep from getting fired, but we do it. We show up every day. Number 2. We show up no matter what, in sickness and in health, come hell or high water, we stagger into the factory. Number three, we stay on the job all day. Our minds may wander, but our bodies remain at the wheel. We pick up the phone when it rings, we assist the customer when he seeks our help. We don't go home until the whistle blows. Number four, we are committed over the long haul. Next year we may go to another job, another company, or another country, but we'll still be working. Until we hit the lottery, we are still part of the labor force. The stakes for us are high and they're real. This is about survival, feeding our families and educating our children. It's about eating. We accept remuneration for our labor. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. So basically, you you do it for the money. 
We do not over-identify with our jobs. We may take pride in our work, we may stay late, we may come in on weekends, we, but we recognize we are not our jobs. So what the amateur does as opposed to what the professional does is they, excuse me, they over-identify with their artistic aspirations. So they say, I am a musician, I am a painter, I am a playwright. Resistance really loves this because Resistance knows that the amateur composer will never write his symphony because he's scared of his failure. Because if you define yourself as something, you've set yourself on that path. And if you fail, then you don't even know who you are anymore. So don't define yourself with what you do. We master the technique of our jobs. We have a sense of humor about our jobs. We receive praise or blame in the world. The amateur has not mastered the technique of his art, nor does he expose himself to judgment of the real world. If we show our poem to our friend and our friend says, it's wonderful, I love it, that's not real world feedback. That's our friend being nice to us. That's kind of why I was afraid of sharing this podcast and why I actually haven't shared this podcast on my main social media because, I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know, it kind of speaks to that in a way that I haven't really fully quantified or put into words yet. And like, you should... Once you start something and if you get absolutely rinsed for it, you should be happy because that means you're in the arena, so you're part of the game and you're not like just one of the spectators on the sidelines wishing you could do something or thinking about doing something because all that stuff is bullshit and it's all talk. So here's what a professional does. He eliminates chaos from the world in order to banish it from his mind. So basically, it kind of speaks to Jordan Peterson where he says clean up your room before you criticize or set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world because you can't really work in a cluttered spot I'm saying here as I am sitting in front of my cluttered desk but it's still work it's still you, you need to clean your room a professional accepts no excuses he knows if he caves today no matter how plausible the pretext he'll be twice as likely to cave in tomorrow. So I need to actually remember that because the last episode I uploaded was on Sunday and I said I'd produce weekly episodes and today is Tuesday. So this episode's going to come out on Wednesday. So I failed by three days, but I still managed to get it done. So I'm proud of myself, but I need to do better. A professional does not hesitate to ask for help. This, is, this actually messed me up because... Maybe it was the way I was raised, but I got very conflicting opinions on whether or not to ask for help or how to ask for help. Because on one side, I was told it's absolutely cool to ask for help. But on the other side, I was told that it's cool for you to ask for help. But when I, when I was in your position, I did everything on my own. So it's an interesting bit of a, pair, bit of a thing that was there. And it's something I still kind of struggle with asking for help. It's become a sob story or like a therapy session, I apologize, but it kind of adds a bit more like of a personal touch to the podcast, I think. So I'm going to not edit that out and I'm going to keep that in. A professional plays it as it lays. So this is a bit of a story that he put in the book. He says, My friend Hawk and I were playing at the first hole at Prestwick in Scotland, and the wind was howling out of the left. I started an 8-ton 30 yards, 8-iron 30 yards to windward, 
but the gale. So basically, he was playing golf and the wind blew the ball. I'm not going to explain all the golf terms because I don't know it. So he said, son of a bitch, I turned to the caddy, did you see the wind take that shot? And he gave a look that only Scottish caddies can give. And he says, basically, you have to play with the wind. So it doesn't really matter what happened. It's just that you have to play with the wind because those are the cards that you're dealt. So that applies to business because shit's going to happen, shit's going to go wrong, but you have to play with the cards that you're dealt. And it's not really worth complaining about it because a lot of the times you can't change it. So why should you stress about things that you can't change? There's a lot more value in this book, but I think I'm going to cut the episode there because I really want you guys to read this book. And if this book even sparked your interest a little bit, then I would have done my job. So that concludes the podcast. I'm going to leave the Amazon link for the book in the description down below. If you guys want more episodes like this with book reviews, please send me a DM on Instagram at either at I-S-A-V-V-L-L-V, that's my personal, or at On My Dime, On Your Time podcast. And if you have more guests that you'd like me to have on the show, DM them as well, please. I like, or pester them in their, in their comment sections and send them over to the Instagrams I just gave out. It'll be linked in the description as well if you want me to have them on your, their show. And... That concludes this episode. We got a couple of guests for the next for next week and the following week, so it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good couple of weeks for the podcast. So thanks for listening, guys. Take care.